You're listening to Your Recovered Life Series, True Stories from the Future, with your host, Courtney Webster. Hi, I'm Courtney Webster, and this is Your Recovered Life. And today, I am so excited to be having a conversation with the amazing Ro Rowan. I'm going to read a little bit of her official bio. So, Ro has always been passionate about music. She studied classical cello and spent most of her youth in orchestras. It was only after experiencing a personal loss that she walked away from music. And it wasn't until she was enrolled at UCLA to pursue a degree in women's studies that she experienced a moment of clarity that returned her passion. In 2010, Roe was accepted into the Berklee College of Music and has won more scholarships and awards than I can read. It's impressive. Her cello and vocals can be heard on over 100 tracks on albums for notable artists and major motion picture soundtracks. She has toured and played at such iconic venues as the Viper Room, BB King's, the El Rey, and the Whiskey. She continues to write and record her own material and plans to release an EP this year. Two of her singles can currently be found on iTunes. She's not messing around. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for for saying you would have this conversation conversation and share your story. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Cool. So um, the first question I'd like to ask is, have you found your calling? I would say yes. (laughs) Great, yeah. great. <laughs> well, now that we've got that out of the way, what happened? Can you, you have a really, I love, um, I, when, I, when I heard your story, I loved how this music really kind of was like this through line that I just, so maybe you, most people start their story by saying, so I got into recovery and here's what happened. And you, yours has a little bit of a different arc. So if you, do you want to just share it? Sure. Um, <clears throat> growing up, I, I didn't really know music was my passion because I liked so many things as a kid. I liked to draw. I liked sports were really big in my life. Probably my first thing that I did was play tennis at three. And then I just, you know, that was, that was really, I thought was my passion. <clears throat> and then I started playing cello at about seven years old. But I was into science and and movies, and so I liked a lot of things, and music was one of the things that I did. And honestly, my mom had to force me to practice. It wasn't something that I I could take the initiative to do. Um, Excuse me. But growing up, um, like you had said, I experienced a personal loss when I was 16. My grandma died, and um, about two years before that, I had found alcohol which was a great escape and I didn't have to deal with my feelings and it made me all the things that I uh, wanted to be that I was just terrified to be or were insurmountable without having some type of aid. And so when she died, that was the first thing I went to. And because she was so a part of my music, she lived with my mom and I for almost six years. So she really was a second parent. So when she died, I just... I couldn't imagine playing the cello without her. She used to sit behind me when I practiced and would clap even after I did a scale and would take me to all my recitals. And so I stopped playing music and alcohol kind of became this way of avoiding my feelings and really avoiding myself. It just became too vulnerable and and just too much to be me. And so I stopped playing cello and little by little I stopped doing all the things that really made me me and and brought me a lot of joy because I was so invested in not 
feeling these feelings that I didn't know how to deal with. So I did that for a good six years. And I would say in that time, it was very painful to listen to cello, but I also really wanted to listen to cello. So it was this weird, like I wanted to do it, but I just, it was too much. And so I ended up at UCLA as a women's studies major. And just by chance in one of my classes was a a woman that I played cello with growing up and I asked her what, what she was doing and she was doing amazing things. She was principal cellist of the symphony at the school. She was playing in a hip hop orchestra. And that was kind of my moment where I was able to step back and go, what am I doing? My life is just passing me by. And, and here's this person as a reflection of where I could have been had I not given it up. So I changed my major to musicology and I think within a few weeks, I um, heard about an orca- a second orchestra at the school, and I auditioned, and I made last chair. Thank goodness. Squeezed in there. <laughs> Squeezed in there. And I, I totally think that was the universe just nudging me in there. There's no reason why I should have been. I hadn't played in so long. And that kind of began the journey back into music, and um, it was the end of – it was the summertime, and – Two weeks into school, I was missing classes and I was not able to focus. And there was just, a, and I would go to these, re- I went to two weeks of rehearsals completely loaded. And a little voice inside of me said, If you really want this, you're going to have to get sober. And so I, I started that road. And music became this sort of beacon of, opportunity and hope and and a way to be now close to my grandma you know where I was trying so hard not to be close because it was too much so yeah music became um became more than just music it kind of became what what kept me alive in a way and had a whole a whole nother meaning to it and I was always the kid in orchestra that didn't really feel like I belonged there. I really wanted to play in rock groups and kind of different um, genres. And <clears throat> and so um, I started doing that. I played in a country band. I played in some rock bands and, and really was like, okay, now I, I want to be a successful musician. And in doing so for several years, I stayed sober, but I was chasing fame. It was like I was chasing, I wanted to fill the hole and I thought music would do it. But in the process, I left music behind because I wanted people to tell me how much I was worth and that I was worth something and to give me that love. And in, and in the process, I just left music behind. And it was kind of, an, again, another moment where I went, what am I doing? Where am I in this? Where's my music? I was playing for other people and not doing my own thing. And so when I graduated UCLA, I went into the fitness industry because saying I was a musician was, was too vulnerable and it, it took too much responsibility because I just, well, I'm not, I'm not really any good. I just play, but I'm not really a musician. That took too much commitment. And, um, but I hit a point again, about five years in the fitness industry where I asked myself, would I be happy doing this in five years, playing music at night and on the weekends as a secondary thing? And I love fitness, but it didn't do for me what I needed. It wasn't, I had a 
an artistic calling that I wasn't nurturing. And so that's when I, I decided I'm going to give Berkeley a try and, and it worked out fortunately. And so now I'm in my last semester at Berkeley. (laughs) I love how you tell the story. It's like, well, this and then this, and now I'm at Berkeley. And if anyone goes to your website, they'll be like, their mind will be blown because you really, I'm not blowing smoke. Like it's impressive the things that you're doing there and the way that you're showing up and the way it's so clearly, you know, when people really, when people, my experience is when I see people living their passion and honoring it, just amazing things happen and you just see it and you just see it. So, um, that's why I'm so happy to have these conversations because people, I feel like we can look and go, how'd they do it? It looks like it just happened. And I know that it didn't just happen. You, cause you, you've told me you, and so let's tease it out a little bit. Okay. Okay. So you, you finish, uh, UCLA and you're like, well, mm, you'd start doing editing or something, right? I did like some video editing for a company and I wasn't making, I was kind of interning and I wasn't making any money. So someone had said, well, what would you do all day, every day if you could do exactly what you wanted? And I said, well, I'd hang out with friends and family. I would work out and I'd play music. And they said, well, why don't you become a trainer? And I thought, well, that's great because then I don't really have to be a musician because that feels too scary. So I'll do something else I'm good at. And that was something that, as you said, the journey is is has just been profound it's really been a journey of honoring taking the risk of saying i'm a musician that was the hardest thing to do and to believe that i could do it because in my head i'm i'm seven eight years behind everyone i stopped playing and so i'm not i don't feel like i'm as good and the mind does weird things when my mind did weird things when i stepped away for so long and was out of that practice so it really has been a journey of identifying what it is that I like and then <clears throat> believing that that's even possible mm-hmm. and taking the risk of failing. That's what I was afraid of. It's like, well, if I fail in something that's not really me, then, well, that's okay because it's not really me. So it was okay to fail at plan B, which was training, right, in the fitness business. Mm-hmm. But that's like that's that's that sacred thing our dreams can are sacred mm-hmm. you know and it can be really scary to step into them or to actually say this I'm planting a flag and this is what's important to me and this is who I am and this is what I stand for and this is what I do it's fucking terrifying it is <laughs> right and the the flip side is it's it's where it's where all the juice is. It's the most rewarding thing. And it, that's what I've been realizing is for how, how long I've done that game where it's easier to, to be someone that I think that I should be, or that feels like it would be safer and really believing that if I did that, I would be happy. And it took kind of hitting, hitting a wall each time where I, I evaluated and said, no, I, this, this doesn't, you know, always feeling like something's missing. Yeah, feeling like, well, I'm glad you're bringing that up because one of the things I like to talk about is what did it feel like? Because I, I, I know that a lot of people watching these conversations are, are feel, are, you know, it's just great to hear how it happens for people, but there's definitely some people who are in that place where I don't know what my thing is and it doesn't, it just doesn't feel good. And I like to say, okay, that's okay. Just because it doesn't feel good doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. 
And you need to be asking the questions. Asking the question, being in the not knowing, is part of the finding out. And we just give credit to the finding out, really, in this society, right? It's like, oh, oh, I've got the answer. But it's like, yeah, but this part of not knowing is part of it. And we need to honor that part. Yeah. So... So when you were, so when you decided to do the, the fitness, were you like, I need to have a calling or I don't know what it is, or I just, was it a conscious, I'm not going to do the music because that's too scary or what was that like? I think it was very conscious, but also very subconscious. I just didn't think, I don't think that I had the tools and the self-confidence uh, to do that yet. And I think that the, doing the training was actually a great training ground for me because I was thrown into situations that were very challenging and that I was underqualified for and I had to really learn how to swim. And so I can remember I was managing a staff of 12 or 13 students and five trainers and, and running this facility and I kind of went, how did I get here? I, I felt like I was going to be found out that I didn't know what I was doing and it took about a year of trying to do my job until there was just a shift that happened and I started to just feel my job and feel, you know what, I am a supervisor. And and it's almost like I had to do less. As soon as I felt that and felt like I deserved to be there and that I was capable of being there, and I, it was as if the, all of a sudden my whole staff, all of their energy shifted and I didn't have to ask them to do things. They just were doing them. And I kind of went, what is going on? And that's when I understood it's the energetic. It's like, what am I bringing to what I'm doing? Am I walking around just telling people what to do? But I don't really, they can sense that I don't really know what I'm doing. So it was a, it was an energetic thing. Um, but it was a great training ground for me to, if I could learn that there, I could apply that then to music. It's like, okay, I can do the same thing. So I, that time was so not lost or wasted. I believe it completely prepared me to believe that I could do the same thing with music, that I would someday, even though I didn't believe it now, get to a point where I energetically believed that I was a musician. That's um great. And it was interesting, you know, you talk about like, how do you know what it is? And I, when I got here to Berkeley, there's all these cool majors and, and then me being liking everything. I'm like, oh, I want to do film scoring. I want to do music production and engineering. And oh, I like music therapy, but I want to do like all these things. And what I really had to do was kind of dip a toe into them and see what it felt like. How did I respond to the workload? Was I excited to do homework or was I like, well, this sounds like a cool job, but I don't really want to do the homework. And then my major electronic production and design is very geared towards creating your own music and producing your own music, whereas our sister technology major is about recording other people's music. So you're learning how to be an engineer for other people. And again, it was that moment where I don't want to hide behind other people, not to say that that's what that is. But for me, I have spent so long not um, being authentic and truthful and honoring my own voice that it felt like the right place to be was to put myself in a major where I'd have to do that. And I tried film scoring and I just wasn't it just didn't do it. Like, does it interest me? Absolutely. But I kind of took a, a year to to figure it out. 
and and it was the I was talking with a friend and she was saying, you know, I can stay up all night doing this and I love doing it and I'm you know, it has nothing to do with school, but I just love doing it and I'm writing and I'm researching and and it reminded me like that is so clear about a calling when we just want to do it for hours and hours and hours and it doesn't feel like work. Right, right. That's that's the dream. That's the dream. Well, I, I kind of feel like, I, I, so I want to put a pin in your, you're, at, you're doing your fitness and then you go to the music. But before that, you've actually brought up something that we might as well talk about now, which is, um, are there times when because I, I, here's here's the thing like yes we can stay up and we're so excited about it we can do it for, you know we can we can we can just keep doing it but i feel like there's a little bit of, of a myth along with that like yes that's true and there are times when it's just you're exhausted or i'll be like i'm exhausted i don't know how i don't know what to do next or just you, you know there's like walls within there where you has that or maybe it's just me <laughs> no i'm really so are, are there? So maybe talk a little bit about that because I love I I I, I want to highlight. I love how you talk about how you tried this and you tried that. Like things were calling to you. What things were calling to you, right? And then you tried a little of this and you got to feel into it. And I think sometimes when people are looking for a calling or just looking for a hobby or or some something to do, it's like we have these. We set ourselves up with this idea that it has to look like this thing and we might not even know what that thing looks like but it's not where we are now so I don't know how I would even get there and so we stop ourselves in going in any direction at all because we just don't know how it's possibly going to get there and we don't even know if we want to go there right like I would love to run a marathon but I don't really like to run and but I haven't really tried running like I've never gotten any really good running shoes and just tried it I mean you know what I mean so it's just like I just stop I'm doing other things everybody I'm doing other things but (laughs) but so I love how you talk about that and now is there is are there some times when you feel like even though you're living your calling and your passion and your dream that there are some hard moments in there um so you know that obviously there's hard times when things don't feel right but there's really challenging times when things do feel right and I would say that my time being sober has really taught me about letting go of the results and just doing what's in front of me and trusting that things are going to, uh, they're going to be okay, you know, and just to stay in motion to just put one foot in front of the other. And, um, you know, so when I, when I decided to come to Berkeley I well actually I hadn't decided it was kind of like this thing that I really wanted to do but it was really far away because I was in Los Angeles and it's in Boston and uh, my girlfriend at the time could kind of see that I wanted to but I wasn't looking there and she kind of just stopped me and looked me right in the eye and said go where you need to go and that was the moment it for whatever reason I needed permission like I needed her to reflect permission to me, you know, and now I know how to give myself permission. But in that moment, I just, I didn't know, I didn't know it was possible. And then there was this other moment where, um, well, so I, I auditioned, I was preparing for the audition and the whole time I was thinking, what do they want? What do they want? What do they want? And I, 
I'm so grateful I stumbled upon a video of the president of the school because I was researching about auditions. What do, what do you, they want? What do they, what they want? want? What do they want? And he said very, very clearly in an interview, don't, don't prepare for your interview and, and give us what you think we want. And I was like, what? He's all, we want to see who you are. And that was the moment I was preparing a classical piece and I just kind of stopped in my tracks and went, okay. And I wrote my, I wrote an original piece and I recorded a bunch of cello parts and then brought it into the audition and played one of the cello parts along with my recording. And, and it just felt right. I remember I left there feeling like, oh my gosh, this feels really right. Like, I think I might get in. And I got in and then I had to uh, take out loans to go, which was very scary. And I remember sitting there going, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can sign this loan. This is too I, – I don't know if I can do this. And again, my girlfriend at the time said, if you want to live big, you have to take big risks. And again, I, I thought, wow, it, it really <clears throat> showed me how small that I lived. It was like just as far out of reach as I could control – and this was giving away all control to go into tremendous debt to do something that I love. And I will say that I am in tremendous debt and I couldn't be happier than a time when I was financially secure. I'm, I'm much happier now. So money just – and so, um, so was, I moved – Was before you, before you moved to Boston, sure. you, you, you were financially secure. You had this job and you were doing really well and it was all kind of – flowing and you were like, wow, I've got this, right? And something else was going on. What made you? Well, it was, I think that I had positioned myself where I'd always been told if you positioned yourself, you'd be happy. So I had a great job. I had benefits. I was financially secure. I was in a relationship. I had a cat. I had an apartment. You know, I had a car. And something was missing. And so it, I had to find out, you know, and I, people, and I've heard the phrase over and over and over again, if it's meant to be, it will happen. But I have to let go and not hold on tightly to something that doesn't feel right, you know, or not that it doesn't feel right, but that something's missing. I have to go for it and trust that if that's meant to be, it will be. And if that wasn't meant to be, I trust that I'm going to find out what that is. But to live in a place that doesn't feel like something's right means I need to do something differently. And I need to take a risk. So scary. Terrifying. It can, it can be really scary. It can be really scary if you don't know what it is. Did you um, – so when you were in that place, you're like, something's missing. Did, did, was there just a moment when you said, I have to do this music thing? Or like, was, do you remember like a crystallizing moment or a moment of clarity in that regard? I feel like it was a, I felt like there was a volume knob that just slowly was being turned up. And I think it was started when I got sober. There was just, it was a little voice that, that I knew intuitively that was where I needed to be. And it took me six years to get up the courage to pursue it. So I think around four, five, and six is when the volume started to get really loud and that 
that there just became a point where it was unavoidable anymore that yes, I had a great life and it was, and I was very grateful for it, but I had a calling to do music that that was something that, that I feel like is part of my path is to do music. And, and you know, the question is that you're calling, I think that what I didn't realize, which I did realize in, you know, being sober and doing so much work on myself and being of service and being an active member of society and all of these things that I work on and um, have the opportunity to work on is that it really is about connecting with people and having relationships and feeling a part of and choosing people in my life that reflect parts of me that are healthy and beautiful. And because when I was using, I was running from all, I was running from people, but really I was running from myself. So it's, it's a way, it's a vehicle to connect. It's a vehicle to connect to myself and then to connect to other people. So it's music is my vehicle, but really my calling is about staying ridiculously connected to people That's really and cool. feelings and emotions, which I didn't want to have anything to do with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was struck when you were talking about how music brought you back to yourself when you're at UCL, like it brought you back to you. That's mm -hmm. what, just what it struck me when you were saying it. Awesome. So, okay. So now you get into Berkeley and you're, you're signing a lot of, with a lot of zeros, I imagine. <laughs> and you That's arrive true. in Boston. What happens? So I arrive in Boston. My mom helps me move in. I put her in a taxi. I say goodbye. I turn around and walk towards my apartment. And then I just, it's like I'm hit with what the fuck have I just done? Fear. I didn't know anybody. I was, and I knew, I felt like I was carried. I know it's going to be scary, but it's, it's going to be all right. But that was the moment where I just felt the fear of what I had set myself up to do. And I went in my apartment and I went on my bed and I cried and I was like, what have I done? And it was pretty quickly within five minutes. I just kind of sat up and went, I'm in Boston, you know, and it just, I'm like, okay, I can do this. And it, it was because I'd had so many experiences over the years where I took a leap of faith or did something that was scary and it was okay. And then I, even just in the three months prior to coming or however many months auditioning was very scary. Signing the, the loan papers was very scary. And I was like, okay, I feel like I'm supposed to be here. So really trust and like a belief in the universe or nature or God, whatever that is, that's vital. At least for me, that's so vital because it's when I'm have no idea where I'm going. I have no idea what it's going to look like. I have no idea if I'm going to fail. I have to believe that I'm going to be carried no matter what and trust that I'll be guided in the direction I'm supposed to be, not the direction I think I need to go. So that's why it's, I try so hard to just stay here, like look ahead, but really stay here. That's my, where my work is and trust that the universe will present what needs to be brought into my life that I can move towards. And I developed it like that thing about listening to my intuition. I feel like that's much more developed than it was 10 years ago. So I can kind of go, Oh, that feels right. Even though I don't understand. And I 
doesn't make any sense to me, that feels the most right. So I, I go that direction. Cool. Oh, I just, there's so many things that you've said where I've just gotten kind of goosebumps and I, this is, here's, here's the thing. I feel like, you know, I'm creating this series so people can, can be inspired and can, you know, kind of hear people's truths and, um, there will be things that resonate with their truth, which will give them, uh, and I just feel like there's so many things that you've said, like, I'm going to watch this again and listen to you. I'm just, I'm really... It's uh, it's powerful. It's powerful to see somebody, you know, walking into the fear and walking through the fear. And I've and I've and I've just heard you talk all about that, and it's it's powerful and it's profound and it's so hopeful, so hopeful. So thank you for sharing all of this. Did is there anything, um, you know, there's is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you'd want to share? Yeah, there's there's two things that that I think of, and one is just. I feel like I was able to take this big risk and this big leap to following music because I watched other people do it. And I had a friend of mine who was had a full-time secure job and left that to go into tremendous debt at one of the most expensive and prestigious art schools in the country. And I needed that. I needed to see that it was expensive and I needed to see that it was art so that I believed it was parallel enough to my story that I started to believe that I could do it and I really wanted to do it. And there was another person in my life that kind of did the same thing. And it was absolutely because of them, absolutely because of them that I believed it was possible, you know, so I would encourage people to be inspired, find someone that, you know, is doing something that seems terrifying and watch them and be inspired by them, you know, surround yourself with people that inspire you. And the other thing I would say is, you know, I, I think I tried so hard to be an adult and like figure out what I was supposed to do. And really I feel more like a kid in my bedroom playing around just like, (laughs) I feel, I just feel more like a kid than ever. And I would encourage people to tap into that like inner child within and like ask your inner child, like, what do you want to do today? Like that was huge for me. Cause I was like, shh, we have to do this. And it wasn't until I really was like, well, what do you want to do? You know, that I, and to actually honor that, that I ended up in a place where I was like, oh, you were right. <laughs> Shows what I know. <laughs> Excellent. That's awesome. Bro, I am so really, truly grateful that you shared your story and and that you are lighting the way. You know, you really you are an inspiration, and and I truly and I truly believe that when people are living their passion, it makes the world a better place. So, thank you for doing that. Thank you for sharing your story and for having me. Yeah, I guess I could say thank you a bunch more times, but I'd be repeating myself. So, <laughs> so no, I, uh, I guess I think what you're doing is is wonderful. You know. You're, Thanks. you're creating, you're creating a platform and you're the messenger, you know, and you're doing, and in being the messenger, you're also in your passion, you know, it's beautiful. Cool. Your Thanks. vehicle. All right. Thanks, honey. Bye. Bye. To get in touch with Ro, check out her website, rowrowan.com.
To get in touch with me, check out my website at yourrecoveredlife.com. And if you have a true story to share, I'd love to hear from you. Send a note to Courtney at yourrecoveredlife.com. And thanks for listening.